Good morning, Heart Church. My name is Shane, and uh, we are excited to be coming to you Facebook Live. I uh, just came from our outdoor service that we've been doing and this, all this craziness of COVID. We've been doing an outdoor service here in Escondido. But for those of you who are tuning in online, either live or maybe you're watching us uh, you know, later on in the week, man, we're just really glad that you joined us uh, for this message. Again, my name is Shane and the Heart Church Pastor here in Escondido. We meet at 215 South Hickory. We'd love to have you here. In fact, quick announcement, and that is uh, we are going to actually start gathering again inside with social distancing and all those precautions, but indoors for the first time in two weeks on October 11th. And so I just want to invite you out to come to that, but uh, we will also continue to broadcast that service for the um, message via Facebook Live for your um, reviewing enjoyment. So we're going to dive in. Um, We've been uh, in a series in John. Last week we were in John 10 and uh, we're there again because I'm doing a little mini series which is really about following Jesus. And so um, before we we sort of dive into John, I want to start by reading a passage out of Exodus because um, this, this passage is Moses declaring something to God that is really profound and it kind of sets the, the, the tone for the rest of the morning and it says this. If your presence does not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that we have found favor in your sight? And here it is. Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct from every other person on the face of the planet? This is what makes us distinct and what sets us apart. We're going to kind of dive into the context of that um, uh, passage, um, but I want, to, I want to just kind of plant this in your mind. Following God close enough to hear his voice is one of the highest privileges we have as his kids. Following God close enough to hear his voice is one of the highest privileges we have as his Kids, let me pray. Father God, I thank you for these next few moments. And God, I pray that this wouldn't be just words. But Father, we desire to hear from you. And I thank you that your word is powerful. And through it, you desire to speak to us, your kids. And I pray that even through this Facebook Live, that there would be a tangible sense of your voice that's awakening something in our lives. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue this series, last week we were in John chapter 10, as I said, and we're continuing this series of following Jesus. And what now? What what do we do now that we kind of hear him calling us up? And and, and, and what does that look like practically? And so I want to I want to kind of talk about this, this statement that Moses made, that if your presence doesn't go with us, don't take us up from here because it's your presence that makes us distinct. And I just want to like lay a context, and that is that the children of Israel, that they had been in slavery for 400 years. And uh, man, that that's, that's epic. I mean, you guys know the story. Like, you guys have all seen Prince of Egypt. Like, Moses went in and, you know, delivered the children of Israel. Well, before that, 400 years they were in slavery. And that means that generation after generation after generation, there, there was these stories 
that were handed down to kids and grandkids and great-great-grandkids of slavery. Now, of course, they had the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the immediate stories were really just all about slavery, what life was like in Egypt as a slave. And some stories were kind of like good stories of like, hey, I had this master and he actually treated me kindly and I had these benefits as a slave. And then some of them were horrible and they used to beat me and, you know, so-and-so died and, you know, heat exhaustion and all these stories that would be passed down. And so the, the generation to come, that's all they knew were stories of slavery. It framed their entire context. And so then they get delivered and now they're following Moses. And so they learn to follow Moses. They learn to follow this big cloud during the day. And then they learn to follow this fire by night. And, and they, they learned to, to take instruction. Hey, we're going to go this way. Hey, we're going to camp over there. Get all your friends and your family members and pitch your tent. And they were simply following instruction, but they were still slaves with a new master because that's all they knew. And, and so, you know, here they are. They knew how to follow instruction while in, in, in rejecting the instructor. They knew how to follow instructions, but they rejected the instructor. We saw that because we see how they treated Moses. They were constantly complaining and they were like, Moses, you let us out here to die. Who are you? And let's go back to Egypt. It was better out there. They had this idea of like, we know how to follow instruction, but, but the instructor, the caregiver, we have rejected him because they rejected Pharaoh. They rejected their slave owner. They, they would never follow a slave owner because of character or because of integrity or because they liked him. They followed out of fear. They followed because that's what they had to do. And so here they are in the desert and they're following Moses. They're following the cloud. Ultimately, they're following God. But they're simply following the instruction. They're, they're rejecting the caregiver. And so we see that God realizes this. He, he, he understands that, that there's something missing. That this group of people have learned to follow instruction with no relationship because that is the world they lived in in Egypt. No relationship with the leader. And so Mo Moses gets together with God and God says, bring the people to the mountain. In Exodus chapter 19, this beautiful picture where, where God had been speaking to Moses and leading Moses because no, Moses wasn't a slave, had never been a slave and didn't have the slave mindset. And so he was connecting with God in that way. And God said, I want to connect with my people. And so I want you to bring him to the mountain because I want to speak to them. And I want to begin this connection, this relationship, because it's so important. In fact, it's the glue that holds it all together. And so they come and there's all of these people at the foot of this Mount Sinai. And God comes down and he begins to speak to his people. And the people are like, nah, uh, I think I'd rather have Moses go up to the mountain. Like, I'm uh, not really feeling this. Moses, you know what? Here's the deal. If you go up and you hear from God, we will follow every command you give. 
sound familiar? Sound like Egypt? Sound like slaves? We will follow you if you just go talk to God. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you think that a slave got the audience of Pharaoh? Try never. Zero. There would never be a time when a slave, a a Hebrew slave, would have the audience of the Pharaoh unless they did something really bad. And I don't even know if then they would. But if they ever got in front of Pharaoh, I promise you the next thing that would happen is that they'd be dead. And so here's God and he's saying, come because I want to speak to you and I want to connect with you. And to them, God is just the next newest Pharaoh. He is their new master and they are still slaves. And so they say, now, we're not really interested in that kind of meeting because if that meeting ever happened in Egypt, then we would die. And so Moses, you go do that and we'll just simply do what you say. Here's the problem. Sonship or daughtership, void of intimacy, leaves us feeling illegitimate and susceptible to the voice of another. See, the idea is that we are learning how to become sons and daughters and not slaves or servants. We are learning what it's like to have a heavenly father and step into, last week was stepping into our new identity as his kids, seeing him as our father and us as his kids who are beloved by God. But I can tell you that the idea of sonship without the intimacy and relationship and personal connection with the Father leaves us feeling illegitimate as sons and daughters and susceptible to another voice. And we see this with Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve, they had this relationship with God. They had a perfect connection. In fact, the Bible says that they would walk with God in the cool of the day in the garden and God would speak to them as his kids. And they had this amazing relationship where sin hadn't entered the world. And then, of course, we know what happened in Adam and Eve. They sinned. And in the moment when they sinned, they were cut off from that intimacy that they had and that they had always known from God. They, they had a wall of separation that instantly started because Jesus hadn't, he hadn't died for our sins yet. And so when sin entered the world, there was a clear wall of separation instantly. And do you know what happened? What's the first thing that God said to them when he found them hiding in the garden? What did God say? Who told you you were naked? Like, what voice were you listening to? Not only that told you you should eat of the apple, but but who told you you were naked? In other words... You were susceptible to the voice of another because the intimacy and the connection and the relationship was cut off in that moment because of sin and it left them vulnerable to the voice of another. And Jesus addresses this in John 10 in the text when he's talking about being the shepherd and us knowing his voice. And then he introduces the, the, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He, he introduces the robber and, and, and the hireling and that the sheep, they don't listen to the voice of the hireling because they know the voice of a shepherd. And so there's this intimate connection that is the glue that holds it 
together and, 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 and God was noticing this and Moses had this dilemma with these people because he was, they were responding to God like a master instead of a father. And I can tell you this, that it is not enough to accept your new identity up here. It is not enough to just accept that you are sons and daughters. It's not enough. We were created to have an intimate relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. This is what sets us apart. This is what Moses was saying is that, listen, God, it's not enough that you go with us. It's not enough that you just send us and that you have a cloud that we follow and we know what to do. It's your presence with us that sets us apart. It's why God talks so much about not having idols in our life. And he was talking to the children of Israel about not having idols in our life because of, of, of how important it is to put God first, him first. Why? Because, because the soul of our heart is, it, it's, it's like a magnet. Whatever we turn to, whatever we gaze upon becomes what we worship, becomes what we idolize, becomes what we follow. And so there's that connection in that relationship. And I've been teaching my son about this. I've been talking to my son about this, about putting God first in your life, because whatever you gaze upon in this world, it's got so many things that tries to draw our attention away. And God is calling us to have that relationship with him where we put him first. And we see this in Apostle Paul where he speaks about this in Philippians chapter three. And if you remember last week, we were talking about Paul because Paul is, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the greatest Pharisee of all, which means he knew this Bible. He knew how to follow God. And so he, he was the, the great candidate for somebody where God said, you're missing it because you're just following the law and you're missing the relationship. And so last week we talked about how Paul said that I've been called upward to the upward call of God, this calling to become. And I want to continue to read in Philippians where Paul describes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, he describes his old life and what's important to him now. He says, but whatever things were gain I had, I count them as loss for the sake of Christ. This old life, I was the man. I knew all of the, the ins and outs of religion. And I'm telling you, I count it all as nothing. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing him, a personal relationship with Jesus, following God close enough to hear his voice is one of the highest privileges that we have as his kids. Following him close enough to hear his voice. And I just want to pause for a minute here because I, I just feel like we, we run the risk of hearing the idea of a personal relationship with Christ. And we run the risk of just counting that as elementary. Like, oh, that, I heard that in Sunday school. I, I heard that like, that's, that's, that's step one of your Christianity is personal relationship with God. And we sort of dismiss it as like, I got it. Like, I got it. I'm, I'm ready to, to move on to greater things. And as we land on John chapter 10, I want to read John chapter 10, verse 27, because it's what sums it all up. It says, my sheep hear my voice 
I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I'll tell you what, this is such an important principle and idea that God is beckoning us to know him, to hear his voice. It is the fuel that keeps us going and gets us up in the morning. And what Moses was saying and what God realized with the children of Israel is it's not enough to say, Moses, you go talk to God. We're good. We'll just do what he says because God God knows that if that's the case, then it's only a matter of time until the instruction becomes weary and burdensome and they will go wayward because the relationship is what makes us distinct, that connection with the Father. And so I love John 10 because Jesus kind of sums it all up as he he paints this picture about the shepherd and the sheepfold. And because we don't really relate practically with a shepherd and a sheepfold because none of us are shepherds, um, sometimes we miss the beauty of the imagery. So in those days, a sheepfold was a a giant pen with a wall around it. And you could fit hundreds of sheep in this sheepfold. And there was one door and it was very small into this sheepfold. And so you'd have, you know, 10, 12, 15 shepherds with their, you know, sheep out on the hillside. And they would be grazing all day and they'd come in as the sun was going down and essentially the shepherds would draw straws and see who would win or I should say who would lose. One shepherd would be selected that night to stay the night and the other shepherds, they would be able to go into town and have a better night's sleep. And one shepherd on that particular night, he was in charge of taking care of the sheep in the sheepfold. And so what the shepherd would do is he would literally lay his body down in the sheep gate. And so when when, when a, a wolf would come or another robber would come to get the sheep, the shepherd would be laying down. He lays his life down for the sheep, literally laying in the door. And so I love this because Jesus comes and he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I lay my life down for the sheep and no one gets to the sheep that doesn't come through me. And so when he was expressing this, like they would know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about a shepherd that lays his life down for sheep. And then I love this next part because in the morning, the shepherds would come and they'd have an amazing night's sleep, right? And they'd come and as long as the shepherd in the sheep gate, would recognize the shepherds when they come. He would allow them to come in one at a time and they would come in and they would call their own sheep by name. They would call them and the sheep would respond to that shepherd and he would lead them out. And only that shepherd's sheep would follow that shepherd. And then the next shepherd would come in and he would call his sheep and they would follow him out the sheep gate. This was this amazing picture of the intimacy and the connection that the sheep had with their shepherd. They knew him by name and he leads them out, knows their voice. And I just want to ask you, like, how's your relationship with God? Like, 
your personal relationship with God. I love this illustration and I've used it a couple times, but a couple years ago, uh, my son came to me because my son loves candy, like most elementary school kids. And he came to me and he said, dad, do you want some Pez? And I was like, I know where this question's going because I know what Pez is. And so no, the answer is no, I don't want Pez. Because if you've read Pez, Pez is this like extremely frustrating candy. And they do it on purpose. And I'll tell you why. Pez comes in this little package. And it is this little candy that's stacked on top of each other. And it comes in this little package, glued together, taped together. And it is so difficult to open, especially if somebody like me who doesn't have fingernails. And so every time I try to open these, this Pez package to get these little candies, I mean, the thing just spills over everywhere. And it's just a mess. And so I said, no, Caleb, I don't want any Pez. It's, it's just not worth the hassle. So then Caleb comes over and he breaks out a Pez dispenser with a little bobblehead thing. And he comes to me and he goes, now do you want some Pez? Well, the Pez dispenser, it loads the candies in there after you get it out of the package. And then you open the bobblehead up and a little candy comes out. And it's just like so accessible. And so when he did that, dad, you want some Pez? I went, yeah, I mean, I didn't before, but sure, I'll have a piece of Pez. What a great illustration because I'll tell you what, this is Pez and the packaging and our relationship with God can be, it can be frustrating to open, like trying to dig in and get Pez out of this thing. It, it, we can find ourselves in Leviticus and we're like, oh, there's so many rules and genealogies and, 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 and our walk with God can become clunky. And it's just like, it's just, I don't know if it's worth like really breaking it open. I need, I need a Pez dispenser. I need somebody to just serve it up for me. And so we come to church and, and we get the pastor, the bobblehead, who has, who has served Pez up. And it's just like, I dug in here and I got it out and I wrote it all down. And now I'm like, hey, do you want some, do you want some Pez? And it's great on Sunday and it's wonderful. And I love coming to church and hearing somebody preach and I love receiving. And it's just like served up on a silver platter. Here is some Pez for you to enjoy and let it fuel your soul. But what happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? It, it, can, it can just be like, I don't know. Where's the Pez dispenser? Because like we're staring at the Pez package and it's just like, sometimes it's easier to just leave it on the shelf and wait for Sunday. It's interesting because if you talk to people who understand the, the shepherd world, what they'll say is that though there's still a need for sheep, because obviously we have wool, the, the dynamic of a sheep and a shepherd is very different. And the reason why it's different is because of technology. And technology sort of replaced that connection that the shepherd would have with sheep. See, back in Jesus' days, the shepherd would have an intimate connection with his sheep. And as I said, the shepherd would literally sleep 
all night. And when the sheep wakes up, he's still there. Does that uh, ring any bells? Because the psalmist, King David, who was a shepherd, who understood this dynamic, he said about God, when I wake, you're still with me. When, when I wake up in the morning, I see you over at the sheep gate and I see you protecting me and I see you laying your life down for me and I see you being the door and I see you being my good shepherd and I look to you and I follow you and you're still there. And there was this connection and this intimacy that the shepherd would have with the sheep. But what a shepherd would say now is that, that it's different. And the reason it's different is because technology's kind of taken over and replaced that relationship. It's not really necessary anymore. I wonder if that's relevant to us today. How much technology has seeped in and if we're not careful, can replace the much needed relationship, personal relationship with God. And here's how it looks. On Sunday, we have the pastor who's done some digging Man, I dug into this and I spent time and I opened the package and I served it up so that you as the God's precious people can have a, a rhema word from God. And so tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, you're like, man, I really need some food. I need, I need some Pez. I need, I need to connect. And so what you do is you get on YouTube and you search best sermon ever. And you find some five-minute sermon where the preacher is giving some more Pez out. And he's like, man, let me give you some good stuff. Let me give you another Pez dispenser where it's just served up on a silver platter. Meanwhile, our Bible is up on the shelf. No need to open it because I've got somebody else who went up on the mountain and found God and got a word. And he's serving it up for you and we let technology replace our connection and what Moses was saying and what God was saying is that to the people of Israel is that listen I know I understand that you lived in a world where your master wasn't your father it was a cruel pharaoh and you had no interest in relationship but that's not this world and so God was saying I want to connect I want a relationship because you can't have Believe that you're a son and daughter and not have a connection with the father. It will leave you feeling illegitimate looking to other voices. And so he's saying it's not enough for Moses to go up on the mountain because I have a relationship for you. I want to connect with my people. So I just want to encourage you. The Bible says that you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added. That there is a, there is a pathway to a connection and a relationship that if we lean into him, he'll lean in to us. If we seek him, we will find him. If we search for him with all of our heart, this is what God's word says. If we seek him, we will find him. Is it easy? No, it's not. It's not easy. And I wish I had like a one, two, three steps to a vibrant relationship with God. But what I can tell you is that technology is seeking to steal your relationship with God. What I can tell you is that there's all kinds of voices that are going to leverage that, that void of connection and intimacy. Because if there's a void, then there are other voices that you will begin to turn to like Adam and Eve turned to in the garden. And so we must lean into this relationship. And since I was 12 years old and I heard 
God speak to me and I heard him beckoning me to have this relationship, I've just carried a shovel everywhere I went. And I'm no special person. I'm just a, I'm just a guy that desires to have a personal relationship with God. I'm not going to let a pastor or another person or another you know, bobblehead serve me up Pez. I'm going to go get it. And I'm telling you that that is available and necessary and needed for every one of us for the fuel of our soul. And so I've carried a shovel and I want to invite you to carry a shovel. And when you say, what do you mean? I say a shovel to dig because we dig if we dig into this. We dig in for ourselves and we will find gold. We will find rhema words that will light up our soul and cause us to elevate to that upward call of God in Christ Jesus, which is to know him and to make him known. This is what Moses said. This is what makes us distinct. It's not that we have the Bible. It's not that we know where to go. I mean, God could have told the children of Israel, listen, I'm going to defeat your enemies. Here's the promised land. Move this way and that way. And like, just go and you'll be blessed. And Moses said, that's that's not it. That's, That's not it. It's your with us that makes us distinct. You going with us, you being with us, us knowing your voice. And so the shepherd comes into the sheepfold and he calls your name and he invites you to know him. To know him. Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you that today in this simplicity of this message that we've probably heard a hundred times that It's about a personal relationship with Christ. We know that it's not a prayer that we say. It's not a Bible study that we go through. It's not a verse that we read. It is a personal relationship every day where the shepherd comes and he invites us to follow his voice and know him. And so, Father God, I ask that if there are places in our lives where we have given in to another voice to follow, that you would silence those and we would be able to narrow in on the shepherd's voice to know him intimately, to follow him to green pastures and still waters. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you and uh, we'll see you soon.